Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Mr. Saunders Show. This week, we're going to do more of an economics lesson for you guys. Uh, I know we touched on it a little bit uh, during the first show about the conflicts of visions um, and the kind of two schools of thought when it comes to economics and how it kind of relates to kind of current political thought in uh, today's society. But from what Mr. Saunders describes, the, a conflict of visions is a, probably the most important philosophical book ever written. It's by the economist Thomas Sowell. And uh, it kind of uh, goes into deep into the kind of differing visions of uh, how we think about economics and politics and things like that. So we're kind of going to get a little bit deeper into that uh, in this episode. So, Ms. Saunders, you got a, anything you want to add about, about yeah, the book? Thomas Sowell is a, is a uh, economist. He taught at, uh, he went to Harvard, and then he went to the University of Chicago, uh, was taught by Milton Friedman there, and, he, yeah. and, and Thomas Sowell was a Marxist. And he was a Marxist right. even after he got his, probably his doctorate degree, he wrote a book on Marx called Marxism. And uh, later he, he gave up Marxism when he worked for the government, federal government, and realized that uh, there was really something wrong here, that we weren't getting the results that we wanted to with our programs, and that nobody cared. What they cared most about was getting these programs funded. And so he... <clears throat> uh, That's interesting. He it was his experience that uh, led him to that, not... Yes. Uh, well, you know, but then his teaching might have kicked in, right? Yeah, the teaching right, of Milton right. Friedman, yeah. the great free enterprise uh, advocate that wrote right. uh, Free to Choose, yeah. taught at University of Chicago. And, and, uh, so uh, David, David Mamet, the playwright who wrote, uh, um, oh, he wrote Speed the Plow. He wrote the, the, the movie Red Belt, which I think is a great movie, Red Belt. And he wrote... Uh, the 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 play um, about last night. Anyway, David Mamet used to be more of a liberal, and he became a conservative thinker, a free market thinker through the readings reading Thomas Sowell. Mm -hmm. And David Mamet, or Mamet, I don't know how you say it. He believes Thomas Sowell is the greatest American uh, philosopher that's still alive. So, and when we say philosophy, we're not talking about Kantian, you know, questions about existence yeah, and right. things like that. We're talking about why do people think the way they do yeah and this book addresses why do people so often line up on one side or the other when it comes to an issue like taxes or um uh, welfare or yeah. or so many issue uh, uh, uh capital punishment yeah right um why do the same people seem to line up on one side you know for instance let's just use the three i gave why do the same people who are in favor of higher income taxes, why are they more often against capital punishment? And what was the third example I gave? Well, you know, and, the, and uh, they'd also be maybe against spanking their children. Yeah. Okay, but why, why then on the other side of the spectrum do the other people say, well, they're in favor of capital punishment, they're in favor of lower taxes, and, you know, and they might even have a gun in the house. Why, right. why is it? And so his book, Conflict of Visions, examines this and uh, I just in a very unbiased way. He doesn't yeah. call he doesn't call anybody names, <laughs> never says anybody's mean spirited. Yeah, he explains things from a, uh, just a very easy to understand like type for, or from a very basic form of like where all these ideas come from. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and so I think it's his most important book, yeah. The Conflict of Visions, and I just think everybody should have a copy of it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you're a conservative or a liberal, although if you have a copy, you're probably more likely to, to be thinking more pro-free market. Right. Because, and Thomas Sewell will explain that in yep. his book. Yeah. Why that is more likely, that, that, that you would be the one to own this book. Um, let me, now this is death to radio, which is, but I'm going to read just part of uh, what Thomas Sowell says in okay. his first paragraph, okay? And just, just to give you an idea, um, he says, uh, um, one of the curious things about political opinions is how often the same people line up on opposite sides of different issues. The issues themselves may have no intrinsic connection with each other. They may range from military spending to drug laws to monetary policy to education, yet the same familiar faces can be found glaring at each other from opposite sides of the political fence again and again. It happens too often to be a coincidence, and it is too uncontrolled to be a plot. A closer look at the arguments on both sides often shows that they are reasoning from fundamentally different premises. These different premises often implicit, you know, sometimes you got to stick with them now, <laughs> uh, are what provide the con consistency behind the repeated opposition of individuals and, gr and groups on numerous unrelated issues. They have different visions of how the world works. So that's his premise, is people have different visions right. on how the world works. Now, before we go any further, let me read the opening paragraph of a, of a person who is more of a, I guess we could call him a liberal right. of, uh, person, who, Paul Krugman, who is also an economics professor, right? And he uh, writes articles um, for, I don't know, the Washington Post. I'm New York Times, guess. I think. New York Times. New yeah. York Times. Okay, so, and this book is called The Conscience of a Liberal by Paul Krugman. I'm just going to read the first paragraph, and it's shorter, so stick with me. I was born in... 1953, like the rest of my generation, I took the America I grew up in for granted. In fact, like many in my generation, I railed against the way real injustices of our society mar uh, marched uh, of our society marched against the bombing of Cambodia, went door to door for liberal political candidates. It's only in retrospect that the political and economic environment of my youth stands revealed as a paradise lost an exceptional episode in our nation's history. The reason I read this is these two men have opposite visions. Paul Krugman and Thomas Sowell are on opposite sides looking at each other mm -hmm. because they have different visions of how the world works. You'll notice Krugman was much more personal in his vision, yeah. much more political in his vision, and he used emotional words like paradise lost. Yeah. Um, and it was, um, about, it was about me. Too yeah. Recent. yeah, causes uh, yeah. the bombing of Cambodia and things like that, which yeah. he threw, you know. So it, it looks like a more emotional read if you read the Paul Krugman book than the Thomas Sowell book. But Sowell is yeah. going to explain why he and Krugman uh, think the way they do. Right. And that's what Conflict Divisions is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it gets into the uh, the constrained vision and the unconstrained vision right where the constrained vision is uh you see uh, humans as flawed right right and and then the is basically like okay 
we understand humans are flawed, so we're going to do the best that we can with these flaws. Right. And and that is through our own self-interest, we can make the world a better place, right? Yeah, but, but not necessarily our, meaning to. In spite of ourselves. Right. That um, you don't want to make the world a better place, but right. if you do things in your own self-interest, you are actually helping everyone it, else. With the yeah. right system in place. Right, right. Our self-interest can actually make the world uh, livable and it can create wealth. Right. With the wrong system in place, our self-interest is disastrous. That's a good point. Do you think that's why uh, uh, communism or socialism has failed? Be- that's know. what Thomas Sowell would say. Yeah. Is it, cannot, it cannot succeed because the people in charge of it are self-interested right. just as two people selling apples in a marketplace are self-interested. Yeah. But so are the people running the government that's distributing goods and services are self-interested. Um, and so it's doomed to fail. Yeah. If you have the the constrained vision of mankind, right? Okay, which says we are flawed, self interested, doesn't mean we're not magnificent people, and we can't write great works of literature, and we yeah. can't write great music and things like that. However, we will sell, we will copyright those things and sell them. <laughs> okay, John Lennon wrote that. You know that's. St- book that uh, imag- imagine song, yeah. which which implies that he is unconstrained right he doesn't see people as flawed in the in the song yeah. imagine because the unconstrained vision sees people as being able to be perfected yes yeah there's he a, were perfectible yeah. and what messes us up is society messes us up religion right imagine no religion yeah, to yeah. nothing to fight or die for <laughs> no property right i don't know all the lyrics yeah. of that song nothing that's what messes us up. Yeah. So if we can reform society, we have utopia. So that's what John Lennon sings about in Imagine. However, he copyrighted that song. Of course. <laughs> makes money. <laughs> and he makes right? money off it. Yeah. And he made a lot of money off it. And he didn't give the money to the people of London or wherever. So, so Thomas Sowell says, look, you know, you have, he doesn't have that vision that that human beings are perfectible and that we can have a utopia on earth. However, Karl Marx does. A Marxist does have that vision that utopia is possible on earth. Um, Perfect equality, right? Yeah. Nothing to live or die for. Um, Yeah. Uh, just, just read the song. I mean, that, yeah, that, that, yeah. that's the that's the abbreviated version of Karl Marx's <laughs> of the Das Kapital, <laughs> versions one, two, and three. Yeah. <laughs> just read the song, you got it. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, you know, Karl Marx, of course, says that this can happen, but we have to abolish all private property, and therefore, no one can. You know, once we get rid of private property, we won't have greed. Yeah, and we won't say the dirty word anymore. Yeah, so then you can, you know, which is mine. Yeah, and you can change. People can change to be less self-interested. I guess you get rid of that self-interest. Right, right, right. We will. Our self-interest is a product of our civilization, our society, our bad teaching, our bad training, our bad religion makes us bad. Whereas the person whose constrained vision says, "No, it's I soiled the water." Yeah, my. When I wake up in the morning, I think about me. Right. What what person do I love the most? I love my wife the most. I love my dad, my mom, my son, my daughter the most. Yeah. 
Who do I care about the most? Me, my family, my friends. I'm self-interested. And my country. Yeah. Okay? I, that's the way it is. And a constrained person would say the only way that this world will work is if we have our self-interests competing against each other. Right. Therefore, the free market. Right. Yep. What do you got for me? An apple? I have a duck. Yeah. How many apples for the duck? You don't give the person the duck. You trade for the apples. Yeah. Okay? You get five apples. And both people say what at the end of the exchange? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it works. Do you hate the person with the apples? Nope, because you didn't have to raise apples. You'd rather raise ducks. Yeah. Does a person with the apples hate you? No. In fact, he really likes it when you bring more ducks. Someone goes, there's that stupid duck guy that's all rich. Look at all of his ducks. The guy with the apple goes, what are you talking about? I get a duck for three apples now because he's got so many ducks. I like it when he makes a lot of ducks. I like rich people because I get to buy more ducks. And they're cheaper. And they're cheaper ducks. And he's creating a better better environment for everyone else. And does he love the person that raises the ducks? No. Yeah. He doesn't. What does he love? His own family or her own family? That's what they love. Yeah. That's a constrained vision. And they, they think the free market is indispensable for the world to operate because of the flawed people in the world. You yeah. have to have it. They do not believe socialism will work because guess who runs it? Flawed men and women will run the socialism. The richest people in the world. You ready for this? Brace yourself. Stalin, Mao Zedong, Adolf Hitler. They could have anything they wanted when they ran their socialist countries. Fidel Castro. Yeah. Che Guevara. They're filthy rich. They have anything. More, they're richer than Trump or Bill Gates or name them. Yeah, it's, they're, they're the elite. They're, they're the elite. Yeah. And guess what else? They have power over you. Yeah. Does our president have power over you? Not that much because our country has separated powers. Right. Because it was put together by, 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 by men who believed people were flawed. And they therefore they made the government, uh, a, 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 well, it was a republic. So you yeah. have, you don't have one specific government that dominates. You have state governments. You yeah. have local governments. You have federal government. You have a constitution that people have to follow. You have houses of Congress, right? You have three branches of government. You have all this stuff. Why? Because we don't trust our fellow yeah, man. You can really see how scared they were of terrified. Uh, yeah. Of. Powerful government. Last yeah. thing we wanted was a king. Yeah. Yep. Or a czar. Or a dictator. Or whatever. We want to break this down so the self-interest of Nebraska is, is, is pitted against New York State. Right? Right. And, and in the self-interest of, right, we want that. Because we don't trust people with power. Yeah. Isn't the electoral college a great example of that? The great example. Yeah. Of, oh, of, of, of the constrained vision, right, of, of, of human beings. New Hampshire is very important. A, a direct vote will make uh, New Hampshire irrelevant. Uh, yeah, because New Hampshire gives you three or four electoral mm-hmm. votes or whatever it is, and so it's important. Um, but 
yeah, a direct vote, all we need to do is really is win New York City, Los yeah. Angeles, L.A., the Chicago. The, the, two co- the big cities in the two coasts. Yeah. All we need to do is win the big cities, and we win the popular vote. Yeah. And you might say that's majority rule. That's not, yeah, but that's what constrained vision people would fear, majority rule. They say majority rule is two wolves and a sheep deciding what's for supper. Yeah. And you're the sheep. An unconstrained person would say, no, you need society needs to decide this, and we should just have majority rule. We need to make laws quicker and changes quicker because we know better. Yeah, that's, good. yeah. he talks about that in the, in the conflict of visions, that in the unconstrained vision, the elite, you know, are the, they know all, and they can, through reason, their, their own reason, whatever is better is uh, how it should be, as long as, you know, not through their own experience, right? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's very tempting to be unconstrained because you get to, you get to be a know-it-all. Right. I mean, and you get to have, you might be able to get a lot of power, yeah. and, you, and you have answers to everything. You solve big problems. You get to solve yeah. these problems, whereas if you're unconstrained, you say, well, the f- how do, you know, you're, you're more often going to say, I don't know uh, what the people in America want to eat. I really don't. I can't say what we should grow this year yeah. for our agricultural policy, right? Because if you're unconstrained, you don't know. You go, well, let's just let the free market and see what people want to eat and yeah. grow this year and yep. invent. So it's it's a much more hum- – I don't know if humble is the word, but it's uh, – Risky. Yeah, it's more risky, and it's also you're not a know-it-all. Yeah, you yeah, they, they, yeah. He mentioned that too in the constrained vision, that, or the in the unconstrained vision. There's only like one type of knowledge, and that is that uh, articulated reason. That as long as I can, you know, pontificate this or whatever, that's this type of knowledge. But in the constrained vision, there's different types of knowledge where, like, you would recognize that you don't know how to con- uh, uh, be a farmer. You right. know, you don't know the best prices to set the apples right. at or whatever, right. and that or a different uh, different aspects right. of the economy right. that you don't know. There's always I don't know what yeah. the best energy source is right, right now. I don't know if it's wind power. Yeah, I don't know if it's battery power that comes from wind power. I yeah. really don't know. How was I supposed to know that we're going to find all of this natural gas in Nebraska and you know upper Midwest and yeah. now it's so cheap? It's by far the the best thing for the environment, even you know, right. how was I supposed? You don't know this, right? Um, you know, in Mexico has had a history of uh, of uh, unconstrained leaders, and, and their current leader is unconstrained. Uh, he believes that that he knows solutions to things. So, Mexico was having problems with their pipeline. Band banditos were uh, breaking the pipeline, stealing the petroleum. People uh, dying. People explode. dying for it, yeah, and uh-huh. the explosion because they were that gas everywhere, and then someone would light up something, and whoom! <laughs> so he, you know, he said, "Well, we're going to shut down the pipeline completely, rather than address this issue with these bandits and and uh, use trains." Well, now uh, gas prices have skyrocketed, and and they don't have any gas. I mean, yeah. they can keep the price low, but you don't have gas. Yeah, and so this person believes he has solutions to these problems. He's unconstrained, and. It's not, it's not, well, Venezuela is, is another example, right, of Hugo Chavez's belief in solutions by putting more money in infrastructure and education, whatever he did. And yeah. now, I mean, the, they have rolling blackouts and, and 
no food on the shelves right. and a brain drain. I mean, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people have left the country that were valuable people that you didn't want leaving that country, right? So, yeah, it's, but, but it is tempting to be unconstrained because you can be such a know-it-all, <laughs> right? And people yeah. will worship you because yeah. people that are unconstrained will gather around you there was and a clap guy. for you. Yeah. There was one guy who did really well with that, and he spoke very well. As Joe <laughs> Biden called him the, the first articulate, clean. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're getting a little political well, here. <laughs> but, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, Mr. Obama is definitely more unconstrained. Yeah. He believed that the oceans were going to stop rising when yeah. he was elected, right? He said that. And so that's a very unconstrained view is, is that political decisions – are going to cure these, solve yeah. these problems like healthcare. You know, and that political decision made, you know, of, of Obamacare, uh, there's actually many, I, I believe there's more people without healthcare now than before because I don't have healthcare. Yeah. Because my healthcare went up to $750 a month. Oh, I couldn't wait, wait, afford you it. You mean the affordable healthcare? <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right. Let's call so, it what it is. But that, that's an example of humans, you know, in power that believe they can solve things instantly with a decision is, is uh, you know, it's a pretty good example. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um. Anyway, the book <laughs> is not political. Okay. And you, and when, and, and I really think whether you, you see yourself as more of a, a person that, that that sees solutions and you're optimistic about human nature and and uh, you think we can end poverty and you know that's that's great. Uh, read the book. It's not ever going to offend you hmm. ever because Mr. Sowell also in his book has thirty pages of footnotes and he's a very very careful thinker. Yeah, uh, I, I just think it's something. Yeah, because it takes you through both sides and you could be sure like, oh, well, I actually align with this side. You know, even you know. Um, but it's just very interesting, right? Very few left. I call left wing. The MSN very rarely has him, if ever. I've never seen him on a major uh, television show. Being Thomas Sowell, yeah, here's a bright, articulate black black man, uh, and they don't ask him a question. Uh, I think for one thing, is most of the most of the mainstream media isn't going to be interested in what he says. Um, um, because I, and he'll talk about that in the book is why people that go into me, uh, journalism are more likely to be unconstrained. They're more likely to be people that see solutions and therefore their job becomes more important because it leads people to, to vote for the right person that will solve problems, whether it's healthcare or, or, uh, uh racial problems or whatever. Right. So people, in journalism, are more likely to be unconstrained. Why do you, you know think we could that call is? them we could call them liberal, but let's mm -hmm. let's just call them unconstrained yeah. today. Yeah. Okay. Why do you think that is? Why does journalism uh, well, attract people that way? Certain jobs that that where you can be a you know it's it's pride. A lot of it's pride. A lot of it's uh, ego. I mean, I became a teacher. Most teachers would be unconstrained, um, and the, and most teachers, I think. Pride themselves yeah. on having solutions and knowing because more know. than we really do. Yeah, we really do. That's a good point. And I, I'm one of them. Yeah. As a teacher, I mean, I'm not saying I'm unconstrained, but we, we you know, uh, we believe education is the answer 
quite often. I not all, not every teacher, but I mean, go into why this is where the answers are, the solutions yeah. are is is formal education, whereas an unconstrained person would say, "Ah, you don't know that. We need people that are constrained and, person that yeah are a constrained person." Yeah, yeah I would say uh, uh, education. Um, you know, can can help you be a, a better producer and a better, but it might not. It might lead you the other way too. Maybe you should be a welder. Maybe you should, yeah, uh, right. Very, you know, very carefully select your school. Uh, a, a, a constrained person would say you should be able to select your teachers. Um, you know, and things like that. Yeah, it's more. It's almost uh, in the constrained vision. It's more empowering to the individual. Right. Yeah, yeah, and it's a little less trusting of of the person who says they know yeah. the answers. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's interesting. A, a constrained person also be, would be more likely to be a uh, traditional Judeo Christian because they see mankind as flawed, right? Yeah, and that's why you need religion, you know, or, or yeah. forgiveness or whatever the word we're going to use right, is. Right. So yeah. they're more likely. You can make it, an assumption about people that go to a traditional yeah. Christian church. You say, generally speaking, they're more constrained. I, I was talking to somebody uh, that goes to a church around here, and as a lot of these newer churches are talking, he says something to me uh, uh, after a sermon or something. He said that people are general; they're born good. And I got in an argument. I said, "Wait a minute, what's the point of Christ then if we're born right. good?" Right. Yeah. Right, you know, right, right, right. That, that blows the whole story. I said, wait a minute, this is what the pastor is telling you? Yeah, that we're all good people. We're yeah. born good. Everything's good. Now, it almost sounds like yeah. the church has been infected with yeah. that. That's interesting. Yeah, some church, some churches have, and that's more the, the philosophy of Rousseau or Marx, because both of them say we're born good, but, but now there's problems, right? Rousseau said mankind is born free, but everywhere is in chains. Yep. And Marx talks a, a, a lot about the glory days when, when everybody was living on farms and making you know uh, making things in their own farms and villages instead of this industrial thing that's happening during his writing so both of them look at man as being born good but being ruined by society's inventions like religion number one and number two would be capitalism mm -hmm. okay so people control your labor right and they and so they own now they don't really explain why the capitalists are bad where did they get to be bad if they weren't originally bad and where did the religious people get to be bad if they weren't you know or the the, the, the preachers and stuff and the popes yeah. where, where did they get to be bad if they weren't born bad what what's what turned them why are they worse than us is, is right? the point of saying that then that government can come in and save you? Yes. Yeah, well, you don't really call it government. You could call it, um, oh, gosh, what did uh, Rousseau called the general will, you know, which, which took the form of government tribunals. Because you were And, and they killed 50,000 Frenchmen, I think. What was that? Yeah, because you were born good. Something made you bad. Yes. So, the, the society's um, institutions made you bad. So we need to sweep out these institutions. So in the French Revolution, we, the first thing we swept out was the church, right? And then we swept out the big business people and, and such. And because swept out means killed. We killed them. We, uh, Their revolution was about equality. <laughs> yeah. Right, equality. Yeah. Right? It wasn't... Um, Liberty. 
liberty, yeah, it was equality. Equality, fraternity, and um, what yeah, was it? it? Equal liberty, equality. Well, then they said liberty, liberty, equality, fraternity, but it was you can't have liberty and equality at the same time. That was a that's a good point. That. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's we true. could go into that a different day, but those two things don't go together. Yeah. Like in the declaration where he says um, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit, of, even though he probably should have said property, right. but he said life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness right. that um, you're like you're just guaranteed the pursuit of happiness. You know, the pursuit of equality, I yeah. guess. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, you're not going to be equal. I should read equal. a book on that. Yeah, what yeah. does the pursuit of happiness mean? But I think it means you have the right to, to work yeah. the way you want to work, right. trade your labor the yeah. way you want to, but which was ironic that, because he owned slaves. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's a different thing. Yeah. But, but, that, flaw, but, but again, a constrained person understands this. this yeah. is, he's a flawed, self-interested man, right. Jefferson, that didn't want to give up those slaves, and so he explained them away somehow. Right. Right? Yeah. Took a while for us <laughs> to get those slaves away from people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A lot of death. A lot of, yeah, 600,000 soldiers yeah. and a lot of effort and energy yeah, you know, yeah. to do that. And and uh, to finally realize that, hey, these people are, you know, made in God's image and that yeah. you have no right to steal their labor. Right. You, know, you could go back to the Ten Commandments on that one. Yeah. You can't steal their labor. That's the Eighth Commandment. Um, and you know, so it, but it took a while right. because, well, like always, we were so uh, you know we had people self interested that, that yeah. set up our government to a degree, right? I mean, right. they didn't abolish slavery at the beginning of the government. Yeah, of ours. Well, there was a compromise, right? Unfortunately, or right. fortunately, however well, you look at it, but yeah, the compromise, and, yeah, the compromise was there, right? To to give some value, the North versus the South, right? Right to give the South three fifths uh, yeah. of voting rights for the for their black slaves, right? right? And um, would have never had a union without that. We know yeah, we would not true. have had a government without that, and it does show that we had a dilemma right away over slaves, yeah. right? <laughs> and it, and that that's good that this country right away is agonizing over this issue of our of. Uh, Slaves said, "Are they people, or what are we going to do?" Yeah, and some people say yes. John Adams on one side, right, and the other side. <laughs> Not so some much. of them were just confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They didn't want to give up their way of life. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's what it was. So, um, so Thomas Sowell's not on uh, the MSN, uh, but Paul Krugman is. Yeah, Paul Krugman will be because he's going to be more. Um, he's going to give his opinion. He's going to be more political. Paul, Thomas Sowell's not going to too much. And if you start arguing with him or ridiculing him, he walks off the show because he's not interested in debate. In in that kind of debate, he's he really isn't. He just says, "Look, he's a researcher. Yeah, here's what's this going is how it on. Is. If you want to talk respect, <clears throat> right? This is this is what we're and he doesn't allow himself to." Um, to be ridiculed or to or to get get in that situation. Yeah. He right. said, I thought you wanted to talk about my book. I think I saw him one time. And he wrote a book and he came out and they started criticizing him and he said, I thought you wanted to talk about the premise of my book. I must have been mistaken. <laughs> I will I will leave your show. Yeah. That's Yeah, he doesn't debate. No. He's right, the, right. He, he's there. Yeah, and in the whole conflict of visions is a whole debate. 
basically between two sides. Right. Yeah. He's a, and he, right, and he's, yeah, showing, uh, and he'll say, okay, the one side, and he'll get plenty of footnotes as to great mm-hmm. thinkers that are on the side of unconstrained people like John Stuart Mill. Yeah. You know, and Rousseau and Condorcet and other people, you know, and and he'll do the same for the const- for the constrained, right? So yep. it's really interesting. It's go on YouTube and look up Friedman and on Donahue, on Phil Donahue. Yeah. You can watch it's, it's great debates. Milton Friedman, Milton Friedman yeah. on on Donahue. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of great clips. Yeah. Well, there used to be more of a debate. I remember when Buckley had firing line, and he, he was more conservative. He'd bring out liberals quite often. and They actually had a respectful debate, and, and the crowd would laugh at both sides, and, you know, it was, they'd get applause, and the show would be over. It seemed like those, those days are gone now. It's more of a Bill Maher or a Stephen Colbert mm. circus. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, um, Tucker Carlson's probably the only one that comes close to that. Is he? Yeah. He'll, he'll pontificate in the beginning, but then he'll bring on. He always brings liberals on. Uh-huh. You know, of course he brings on conservatives too. But it's just very. Right. It's fun to watch him. Yeah, it's debate them. Right. But right, it is not a. It's more yeah, it's personal now. More and more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and one more thing about conflict divisions is if you're a, um, if you're an unconstrained person, you're going to be more emotional about your positions. Yeah. Because you're going to say, we need solutions now. We're in a crisis. The next election's crucial. Yep. We need leadership. You're going to use words like leadership, stuff like that, quite often because that's where the solutions come from. Yeah. And if you're, un- if you're constrained, you're going, to hope, you're going to kind of pray for a government uh, gridlock because you don't see solutions coming from there. You right. just see... I wish they would just leave us alone. Yeah, yeah. you know, that's right. Fix the tax rate at a certain yeah, yeah. rate, and then just you know, and leave it. Yeah, yeah, and go on vacation for half the year. You're you're not going to see well, that's, solutions coming from government, so right. you're going to be less emotional politically. I think Texas does it that way, where their legislature meets once a year. I was going to say, it. wasn't that the original yeah. intent that the con- the the Congress is Citizens only supposed to meet legislature? The, yeah, they're only supposed to meet like. Every so often, they're not supposed. Yeah, they're not supposed to be there all the time. Serving the people. Yeah. So whenever you see people say, "Well, we need more leadership, more solutions from our leaders," that is right. That's an unconstrained view, right, of of the world, right. And uh, they would have. If you're a person that says, "Look, I just want to go home and coach my little league team," (laughs) and uh, we got some friends coming over for for barbecue, and uh, then we got to get up to go to church in the morning. You're more likely to be constrained, right. so I just, you know, leave me alone. I, yeah, I yeah. don't. The solutions that are important don't come from government as much as they yeah. come from us individuals in our daily marketplace decisions. In, yeah, interacting with each other. Yes, based on our own self-interest. Yes. Yeah, which you can't get around. Everybody yep. has it, and they think they don't. They still have it. Right. Right. Yeah. When the yeah. government would shut down, and they would let all the non-essential government employees. Go, <laughs> not essential. Stay away. Yeah, if they're not essential, I mean, it says it all. Yeah, not essential. What do we need them for? <laughs> Didn't miss anything. And the government shuts down every weekend, every <laughs> night. 
place. You know, and this this also would apply to the military. Is look, if you're a constrained vision person, you would expect the military to be somewhat inefficient as well. You would. You'd oh, expect it is. Them to, <laughs> you would expect, you know, peop, greedy people or self-interested people to, to rise to the in the ranks sometimes, and right, because of their own self-interest. You, you'd expect a problem with this program called the military. And, 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 but you wouldn't say, you'd say, well, that's just the nature of things. We've got to be sure it, we have a watchdog over, how, you know, who gets promoted and why. Yeah, it is very interesting how, you know, the in the military it's supposed to be um the military, right? You're all one team, one fight type of thing, but in that's not how it is at all. It's very self-interest. People right. in the military are very self-interested and do what they can to, you know, pick up rank or right. whatever and get ahead. Yeah, right. isn't And that doesn't mean we don't need a military. It just means it like like government and like well, like Wall Street. People are self-interested, yeah. so we have rules in place that keep you from cheating. Yeah. And they need to be in place every, you know, they need to be in place because yeah. people will take advantage of their fellow man if if it's going to be easy and profitable for them. Right. That's, that's the dark vision of the constrained person. And that's yeah. why they're so often, you know, they're called more often called negative and mean-spirited and stuff like that. Right. Because that's the way they look at the world. Doesn't mean they don't come home and pet their dog and love their wife and coach a little league team and whatever, you know, sing Christmas songs. <laughs> just means they see solutions coming from, you know, eighty, you know, you know, eight fifty two East Lockwood Street, not from somewhere else. Yeah, not from uh, not from seventeen hundred Pennsylvania right, Avenue, right? Sixteen yeah. hundred. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, what a great show. That was good. Uh, uh, we'll get, we'll do more uh, economic and philosophical lessons like this um, as the weeks go on. So thank you very much for uh, listening, and uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify. Leave us a comment on uh, what you'd like to hear us talk about next, and we'll see you next time.